podcaster passionate about empowering youth to raise their voices and tell their stories. On Global Youth Matters, they tell their stories in their own voices on their own terms. They have faced life challenges, social, emotional, health, physical, economic, political, and more. They've gone through rough times and have come out on the other side. Get ready because they'll blow your mind. I'm going to let them talk because their voices matter on Global Youth Matters. Hi, Sadar. We're very thankful that you're here today. And it would be great if you could, you know, maybe introduce yourself, tell me, you know, uh, what you're doing now, where you're located at the time being. So just a little bit about, you know, about yourself. Thank you. Thank you, Anna, for having me here. And it's a pleasure to be here and talk to you, share with you actually uh, something that inspires me every time when I talk about it. So my name is Serdar Qaidi. I am currently an IDP in the Kurdistan region. Uh, it's a province located in the northern Iraq. I, I'm originally from uh, Shingal city. It's a city located in the west of Kurdistan, which is the northwest of Iran. So I'm here. Uh, I'm a student. Uh, I graduated from the United World College uh, Dilijan, which is located in Armenia. I did two years of uh, international baccalaureate. And I'm now doing a gap year. I'm already a student. I'm going to be studying next year in the United States, Northfield, Minnesota, St. Olaf College. So I'm doing some projects here, actually. And I want for our listeners for you to tell them what IDP is. So IDP is uh, basically a brief out for internally displaced person, uh, people. It's completely different from refugee because we are in your, you are an IDP. You're basically, you don't have, let me say, your rights as others in your country, it's not like a refugee when you go out of your country and become homeless. Well, thank you for that clarification. So right now, I mean, I'm going to start off a little bit if you could tell me what you're passionate about and what excites you. You, you kind of referred to some kind of passion every day. And if you could, you could tell me what that is, and then we can go into how you got there after. But what is it that excites you now? My passion is always give my knowledge to people here in my city, to like to my community. That's something more in the humanity field, which is um more I can give more of my energy into it without feeling the regret. Because I've been in such situations, especially like difficult situations, like being homeless in your country. So my passion is to give what I have, what I've learned to my people in the future. Um, I want to study, I'm going to actually study uh, psychology in the United States. So when I graduate, I will go back, to, I will come back here to Iraq and treat people with PTSD, especially who become homeless. I'm going to make it more, let me say, you know, extended. Like I'm going to study clinical psychology specifically after I finished four years of psychology. So I'll be building a clinic and uh, invite people to talk about their experiences and also to try to treat them somehow um it's not actually specific that way but no no but it's wonderful because i know now the field of psychology and of course ptsd when people go through whatever war or displacement and all of that is so important and so needed so that's really wonderful that you're doing that and i feel like the field of knowledge has grown so much in the recent years in that area so maybe you can tell me sort of what challenges you've gone through and what you've overcome. I know you're talking about a lot of homelessness, and maybe you can go into sort of some of those challenges to get where you are today. And I would love 
to hear the story of, okay, these are the challenges, but how did you get to University World College? How did you get to, you know, what are the different steps that you took and how you overcame those challenges? But let's start with what the challenges are. When you started the question, I just like something tipped up into my mind, which is like the first week of becoming an IDP of being homeless in Kurdistan region. I wanted to stop schooling for a month and I did that actually. So uh, that thing was one of the hardest moments uh, I because I could uh, hear, I could talk to my other friends in Kurdistan. They were actually going to school, but I was not able because I was, I wanted to work for my family as we, when we fled, we couldn't have like anything else. So I, I overcome that challenges basically because my father motivated me somehow, but to some points I, I had that uh, mindset of actually getting out of the country and maybe searching for scholarships and just facing it, uh, having the power to continue. So that that was a big for you. So there was a moment in your life when you wanted you wanted to keep studying, but you just had to help your family, and that was a very difficult moment. And then, what led you to be motivated so much to keep that that desire to continue school, or was it just you know I have to do something something in you you know that? You- so when I decided to stop schooling, that was one thing when we actually couldn't like we did not have like let me say. One Iraqi dinner, which is not one thousand Iraqi dinner, which is not even a dollar, uh, we couldn't have it in our house. So I was like, "This is not it." I was back then, fifteen years old, almost fifteen. So I was like, "I think I need to work since I cannot have anything else, and since I need money for the school as well." But then I stopped that because my father decided to work for me, and it was we had a really long discussion, long period dis- discussion to actually start again uh, with the school and continue. So it sounds like your dad was a big motivating factor for you to continue studying. Exactly. Great. Wow. So the big, I mean, I want to understand. So within Kurdistan, you had moved from one home to another home. Is that just to understand correctly? And not another home, but you had been displaced to another place. And that is, and that happened when you were 15, just to understand correctly. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Shingal was my home. So when I moved to Kurdistan, we did not have a place to stay. Until now, we, we do not have a place. We are renting a house. We used to live in the camps for a few months, and then we, we moved to houses. So, I mean, I think from that point, you were 15 and you continued school. How did you get, you know, that's an amazing accomplishment to get all the way to the university world college, which you might want to tell because I don't think, I don't know if all our listeners will know or people who listen to this will know what the University World College is and how did you get there and all of that would be great. Yes, of course. Uh, So uh, United World Colleges are basically 17 colleges around the world. It's a place, it's for different people, different backgrounds. So people can come to these schools, to these colleges uh, from different countries, backgrounds, uh, religions, uh, again, uh, circumstances, uh, stories, all these. So we basically study uh, international baccalaureate for two years, which is a group of six subjects, and each student can choose a subject from each group. And with that, there is a CAS program, which is Creativity, Activity, and Service. 
you can it's mandatory that you study all like you do all these things creativity you choose something like photography for the service you go as a groups and you help the community in that country and there's also activity it's doing something you like like football maybe hiking biking and swimming like such things so we basically have like in the second years and the second year of the uh, international baccalaureate we apply to universities around the world and then we get to accept it to some and then we choose the university that we want to go in and then how did you find out about it uh, that's a that's a really good question my friend actually went there and uh, for one year and then he went to mahendra uh, college it's located in the in india and then he talked to me about it that there's a national committee in iraq you can go to interviews and the the priority is for idps in iraq especially yazidi people so i was like yeah yeah let me give it a try and I was actually working a lot for it and I got accepted finally after doing two processes, the interview and application. It was a really exciting moment. Yeah. So what was the process? Like you had to do some preparation and... There was an application process, uh, which we had to write like a few essays. One of the essays is write something that the challenge that you've overcome, which was, again, uh, moving to to a place which was completely different from the one I used to live. Also some other personal questions. And then there was an interview questions, which they asked us some, like they wanted to find out about our creativity, about things that we do in life and how do we want our future to be if we have plans for. So you have to be, we had to be more, let's say, powerful towards our future despite the circumstances, especially in a country like Iran. You know, some of the, I'm just going to go back to some of the other challenges. So it's like when you had to move, you know, obviously there were some of the basic needs that weren't there. And then maybe was it, were you within a community? Did you have any kind of like emotional support besides your family? Unfortunately, no, there was no uh, any psychologist. I haven't met, I haven't, I mean, a part of being in Armenia, like in Iraq, I haven't talked to any psychologist, like even when I th fled. And I, many people still now believe that they have PTSD, although they don't know anything about it, but they just shocked. And I'm still, I believe that I'm still shocked because it's a long uh, process when we think about it. But no, I, I have not. So that's one reason. Uh, one powerful reason that I want to study psychology in the future. Yeah, so there's not enough. So it's like, the, how do you manage emotional and exactly. all of that? Yeah, that's great. So that's where it came from. You were there and you needed, you probably wanted some kind of support and there was nobody there, right? Exactly. So what would you, like if you saw another, somebody else like you or Maybe I'll ask you, what, yeah, yeah, well, before I ask you that, what are the biggest lessons from the experience that you went through? And maybe, or, or whatever you want, any lessons that you have, maybe even to get where you are, any lessons that you want to share with us? Yeah, it might be something, um, maybe something easy to say, but to not give up was always something that I used to keep in mind while facing these circumstances. Although I was motivated by my family, but keeping up was, let's say, the line I was going through. And yeah, that was something. Yeah, just maybe uh, I was also, yeah, in my community, I was also seeing that the uh, people have gone through more comparing to me. And especially, let's say, girls in Iraq 
who got raped by ISIS when we escaped, which we're, I'm going to tell you when I tell you my story. So I was telling myself, I'm actually still in better circumstances than my friends, let's say. That was that kept me away that there are people suffering more than I am actually now. That's actually motivated me all the time. So that's great. So it was an, an internal seeing friends suffer and this internal desire to help them, I guess, right? It was mostly, it seems like that's one thing. And then also, of course, having a supportive dad and maybe having a friend too, who helped give you an idea of what's exactly how to get to a different place. Yeah, that's great. So the important lesson to you is never give up for other other people. Just keep trying. And maybe I think it sounds like there's something very nice in what you're saying is like the desire to help other people when you go beyond yourself that also Exactly. Yeah, so if you had if there was so if there was another kid, that's what you would tell them? Never give up. Not somebody else in another situation who's listening to you now. Yeah, you, you should just be thankful with what you have no matter what. That's what I would say. Money is not important. I mean, it's not something that we want to have it to be happy. There are more things, other things that makes us happy. Yeah. Yeah, but what if somebody says, oh my gosh, my life is so difficult. I have nothing to be thankful for. <laughs> Maybe he, he, they should just look around and see other people. Yeah, that that would be helpful. That's that's good. There's always something, right? Even if it's the sun, maybe. Exactly. So, so now, do you see things, like what areas of your life have changed now being where you are now, I guess? So I, I shared one thing with you, which was getting motivation from my father. I'm using right now that, let's say, set of motivation. And I, I keep... Helping my friends who are actually, for example, I had friends when I went out of the country to study abroad. They were like, oh my God, like there were also like, my cousin was one of them. He applied with me, but he did not get accepted. So he, he, he kind of, he went to a process of giving up. So I was trying to help him that this is not it. And you can do, you can make a difference even if you are in the place you are. So like basically making a difference doesn't mean making uh, like changing your place you can do it even when you are with them so that's one thing i've found uh, about myself and i like it actually because it also gives me motivation that these people are going through again less you should have been thankful with what you have and also i i got some more confidence especially when i i was like i got to armenia to to speak freely in english especially because we don't have we don't have that kind of let's say practice uh, we don't people don't speak english here in iraq so it also gave me so when i went to armenia i i was having a lot of challenges with the languages uh, with the language actually the, because we all were speaking english so in the first two months i was seeing myself below everybody in terms of uh, the language then i kept it up and now i have that confidence to speak freely even in front of the audience on a stage and tell about my story i would say which is something that again makes me not weak but it gives me that feeling of uh, me 2014 so not vulnerable, but proud. Yeah, that's great. So more of that never give up, right? Exactly. The first few things can change. 
which is really great, which is also really inspiring. So it was a kind of a, so the first few months were, were challenging. So how did you, how did you make up? How did you get over the English bridge? I would say body, body language was something that helped me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So you, you say after how long the program is two years during high school. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, okay. exactly. Two years. So never give up body language and lots of motivation. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Like, is there anything else that you would like to share? Again, talking to other people like you. I would say maybe interact with such people. Get to know them. Get to know. It's not about like, I would not say judge those people quickly, but maybe know more about them because there are people who have who have stories who have backgrounds do not judge them based on the language do not judge them based on the things that they they cannot think like you because everybody is not the same and also i would say focus on people especially i would say people from post war countries because there are actually stories behind the news which are not shown up not appeared in social media which is a huge platform now so get that knowledge get the stories get the motivation from them and use the support you have for them that's great so connect with people that are exactly communicate yeah that's another important lesson so yeah i mean this is wonderful and very inspirational to see somebody get out of difficult circumstances internal displacement and want to go back and you know help and contribute and build and heal society right heal your exactly which is really wonderful so we want to hear about we want to hear from you and about you in the future as a clinical psychologist right hopefully yeah it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah it, it will happen in a few years yeah. <laughs> in a few years well thank you for that and uh, i appreciate your time this is the Global Youth Matters Podcast. We hope you'll subscribe or follow us at Apple Podcast or your favorite pod platform. We would really appreciate it if you leave us a positive review, especially on Apple. This helps us build an audience. Finally, we want to hear from you. You can reach us by email at globalyouthmatters at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. <laughs>